This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two solar flares sent to melt me into oblivion, Tia Vasilio. Hello. And Zach McCrary. What's up? I'm going insane, you guys. I haven't been recording this podcast for six weeks. <laughs> I don't know what to do about it. I ran throughout the entire city of Indianapolis for a weekend at Gen Con, and uh, now I'm back. If you saw some posts on TikTok, I talked a little bit about my Gen Con experience because I still managed to pick up comic books, which is really fun. Um, Zach, I don't know if we officially did this, but like you're officially part of like the IRCB crew now. We've got we got fan art, we got yeah. art and avatar stuff for you. Like I guess welcome to the show. Remind folks at home again once more who you are, what you do, I guess, before we get into our regular show. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember if we did that the last time or not, but thank you for welcoming me. Uh, Zach McCrary. Uh, I have a podcast called The Comics That We Love. I started listening to I Read Comic Books, reached out about just kind of working together, doing fun stuff. And lo and behold, we like... It, me and Mike liked each other, and then me and Paul liked each other, and it just keeps kind of growing from there. And now I'm part of the gang. Yeah, I hope everybody else be, likes me. <laughs> That'd yeah, be I mean it'll weird. be a fifty-fifty split because, like, <laughs> still at this point, I've known Brian for over a decade, and it's still like every other day. I don't know how he's feeling. Uh, Brian, <laughs> proof listening right now is giving me uh, evil eyes. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, but Zach, I'm very excited to have you on the show. We've got a cool little avatar for you, folks who've seen maybe on our Patreon, maybe on the uh, IRCB Discord. All the new banners and stuff have your face. I'm very excited. But uh, Tia, you're also here. I'm very excited to talk to all of you. I'm just excited to talk to like everybody <laughs> because. I feel like the summer has been it's been a wild this month in particular I think I said in my email this week like everything is collapsing in on itself because I made a whole bunch of plans thinking yeah I'm gonna be really social and then of course I did the classic thing of like triple booking double booking not realizing dates fell on top of Oof. each other because as much as my calendar is updated the one thing I never do is check it so um <laughs> It's uh, it's it's been a very interesting. But Tia, how have you been? I guess let's just dive right into things. I um, how have you been? How have comic books been? Sorry, Zach and Tia, I've, I switched up the order because of of things. So <laughs> let's just get into it. <laughs> I have I'm so rusty. It's been so long. We spent like ten minutes planning, and now we're just improvising. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, um, I have had an extremely busy summer. I got a new job and I moved. And, um, you know, I don't know if people, people who've been following for a while know that I, when I, when I lived in New York, I moved into this apartment. It was a fourth floor walk up. I moved into this place by Ouch. literally by myself. When I say by myself, I don't mean that it was just like me and some friends and no professional supervision. It was literally just me. Okay. And a van. And a, I had 50, five, zero, 50 boxes of books to bring up to my fourth floor walk up by myself. Wait, wait, books, books, or pro, like prose or comics? I'm, I just want to make sure for the folks at home. A mixture of both. Okay. Okay. Um, and my dumbass, who is not good at physics, um, I guess didn't realize that just because you can fill a box with books, including comics, <laughs> which are heavier than you think, um, mm -hmm. doesn't yeah. mean that you can actually lift that box and carry it up four <laughs> flights of stairs. But I am made of like mostly anger, so I somehow managed to do it. Um, and then after that experience, I realized that I probably should never subject myself to that again. So in the last like five years or so, it's been a process of culling the books. 
And um, those of you who hang out in our Discord may have seen me posting up for grabs um, many, many stacks of random comic floppies that I had that I was um, sadly not going to be bringing with me. I sent some to Danny. I sent some to Mike. Mm -hmm. Some of that stuff that I found in there was just like, when was I collecting Daredevil single issues? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone knows you, Tia. You love Daredevil. Actually, (laughs) I think that you could trace it to an an episode of the Comixologist podcast that I did with Kara, where it was, I can't remember if it was a Spider-Man or a Daredevil book, but the other, you know, they both appeared in it and they were making heart eyes at each other the whole time. (laughs) And me and Kara were like, I see you, even though Daredevil can't see you, we see you. And um, yeah, I think that might be why I was collecting those. But anyway, lots of fun mysteries in that experience. Um, but it got me really excited about comics again, because as some of you might know, for the past like while, I've just kind of felt like I was in a comics flop era. Sure. I mean, and I think we talked about this on the show. There was like kind of a slump in like, just like not a ton of really awesome comics coming out consistently. So like, it's kind of like a one, two punch of like, I don't know if you want to read anything. Cause I, I feel that too. I was looking at my like to read list and I was like, what did I read for like the past three months? And the answer is mm. not very much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a long way of saying that um, it's good to be good to be here and i have been reading comics and i will tell you about one of them that i read right now uh so titan comics did um a graphic novel called mother nature by jamie lee curtis i'm so curious to hear about this i saw that name on the on the promo email that titan sent us and i was like this is this is like a weird cash grab, right? And I, I think she's like fully involved in this book, though, right? Yeah, yeah, she she really is. Yeah, so apparently it's like adapted from a Comet Pictures Bloomhouse film script that she wrote, and I'm I'm unclear how this came to be, right? Because so looking at the actual book itself, Carl Stevens is the artist, and um, Jamie Lee Curtis and Russell Goldman are are both credited as as being involved as well and i think as the artist carl stevens adapted the script to the graphic novel interesting i think okay i could be wrong but that was like the sense that i got and but i'm just like so curious like are carl and jamie lee buds like did he see the film and was like i really want to get my hands on this and like his Mm -hmm. people called her people like i don't know i'm i'm really interested um to learn how this happened and also it's watercolor art, you guys. Like, it made me so happy. <laughs> it was so beautiful. And it's set in the Southwest, which I think really lends itself perfectly as a setting to watercolor art. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, I guess, environmental supernatural horror is the genre that I would call it, like, high level. Which Hell yeah. also <laughs> lends itself really, really well to watercolors. So... Um, as many of you know, if I'm not into the art, I will not read a book. It does not matter who wrote it, what the characters are. And so like, yeah, it was really, really easy for me to get into this book because the art was pretty beautiful. But also I think, um, and if you've been on the discord recently, like we've been discussing these kind of more experimental comic book artists lately. Um, and some Mm -hmm. people really don't like it. Um, I think that this is still kind of straightforward enough that if you're not 
as into that, you can still follow it. But then it, there's like enough also of the watercolor kind of more painterly element to like make everybody happy, which we love that for us. Yes. Um, so yeah, so the story is basically there's this evil oil corporation, Cobalt Corp, and they operate in a small town and, um, a little girl's father dies in an accident that she believes they're responsible for. And then years later, this company is still operating and they really work hard to present themselves as benevolent. And so they're doing this project called Mother Nature and it's supposed to be all about like, yay, clean water. Um, but this w- girl who's like a grown up woman now um, and spends her time basically trying to like expose them and stop them through vandalism and like sabotaging their work sites and things. Mm-hmm. And she experiences like a supernatural event, like sort of radioactive spider bite, you know, kind of moment. And and then her revenge becomes like super powered. Hell yeah. So the metaphor here is like really not subtle. Right. Yeah. Um, the story Nestle is destroying America's <laughs> freshwater. Preserve. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we we know we 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 know what lane we're in. It's really straightforward. You know, we've got themes of climate justice and like generational responsibility. And mm-hmm. I will just say, even though I don't feel like I'm the person to speak on this, but I will say that there are, um, you know, there's an. Uh, a Native American presence in the story. And my understanding mm. is that the creators did due diligence to make sure that that was represented like properly. But as I said, I can't like, I'm not the person to make that call, but sure, it's sure. there. Um, so yeah, it's just, what I like about this book is that the story is told visually. This is, even though a famous person wrote the script, they don't just lean on the script. It's really beautiful visual storytelling. It has that feel of like an auteur art house film, you know, that has a really strong aesthetic point of view. Like totally. people cool. who like Sofia Coppola films, like they have an aesthetic, right? Or like um, Wes Anderson, like, you know, or other... Uh, I'm not, a, I'm not a film hoe. You guys know what I mean. You got, you nailed it with Sofia Coppola and Wes Anderson. If you're yeah. not getting pictures in your head, folks, <laughs> use Google. I'm sorry. Right. We can't do that. We can't do the heavy lifting for you. This is an audio medium, okay? <laughs> <laughs> There's AI-generated yeah, yeah. Wes Anderson stuff all over TikTok. Like, <laughs> seen he, he hates it, and that's fine by me. I hate Wes Anderson, too. So, yeah. Um, but, but, but you know, I, I don't personally enjoy Wes Anderson's aesthetic, but I recognize objectively that he has one. Right. And it's recognizable. Mm. And I got that from this book, too. Like the aesthetic point of view, it gives you a real sense for the place and the tension that is in the story. And it's it's the kind of visual storytelling where you really have to look at the picture. Like You can't just skim the dialogue here. You have to really inhabit the panels. And I think that is what the point is of reading comics. Right. Like if I just wanted to skim the words, I'd read prose. Totally. And and then like the supernatural elements here are really incorporated beautifully with with like a strong color story. Um, you know, the panels pace things really well. Like if you pay attention to the panels, it's more or less a grid. Um, so there's not a lot to distract you with like the structure of the panels. But then when you're meant to sort of take more time in a panel, they're bigger. And then when things are moving really quickly in the story, they're smaller to like pull you through quicker, and which is a subtle thing, but it's really well done. 
So you're telling me this Carl Stevens fella really knows how to make a darn comic book? Because it sounds like they're using all of the amazing things that we love about comics, yes. right? All in one thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's awesome. That's super exciting. I, I'm very excited to check this out then because I know we got like a we had a nice preview copy of this. But like I do want to see this watercolor like on print. So I have to look for this at like a comic book shop or something in the near future. Yeah, I think yeah. it's like a $30 hardcover. Uh, like it's a nice book. So definitely one nice. for the shelf. I looked up the art while you were while you were talking about it because I was curious and yeah I I really like the look of this book and uh, I'm definitely gonna have to pick this one up. Cool. So Zach, I will pass it to you. What what have you been reading? So uh, one of the books that I read was something I picked up back in June. You ever just go perusing and you see a number one and you're like, sure, you know, and then but you don't get to it forever because it was just kind of a whim. Uh, that's totally. what that's what happened to me this week with a book called Hearts of Steel. It's book one, Debris, Cyrano and Me. Uh, it's written by Jose Luis Mun- Munuera and Becca, which is a uh, a couple. And they just kind of hybridize their names together. They write together. Uh, the art was by Munuera, letters by Chromatic Limited and coloring from Sedias. This was a sp- specifically book one of a graphic novel, but I haven't been able to find when or where the sequel is going to come from. So it was it was published in America by Europe Comics, but was originally released in French in 2022 by Dupuis. I don't speak French. Yeah. D-U-P-U-I-S. Dupuis. That looks right to me. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and translated into English uh, for and came out in June of this year. And I just thought that this book was so cool that when... When, uh, you know, when it was my turn to come on the show, I was like, yeah, this is one that I feel like people need to know about, because even in doing a little bit of research for it, I didn't see a whole lot. I couldn't even find it on Europe Comics's website, like which doesn't make any sense to me. But it's it's a beautiful comic set in a future world where humans have advanced like technologically to the point where you can access anything and all media at a snap with a screen that just kind of appears in front of you. You know, that kind of thing they they've created. And they've created robots and enslaved them to act as their nannies and butlers and farmhands, etc. Okay. And, and what's interesting is that though the tech has moved forward a ton, uh, humanity has stepped backwards in style of dress and means of travel they take. I've seen people describe it as a steampunk, but I really don't feel like it's steampunk. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have that kind of vibe. You know, steampunk has a vibe. Uh, like, See, but Zach, the cover has a guy in a top hat, uh, so it has to be steampunk. <laughs> is there a gear? Be. Does he have a gear like as a as a decorative motif on the top hat? No, I, but his head is just a circular light. <laughs> this, like that, yeah. dude, trying to Google for this, all it all I can find is pirate sites. It's so <laughs> weird. Like, there's no official listing. Amazon doesn't have it listed yeah. anywhere. Like. Barnes and Noble, Peg, no one has it listed. Yeah, it's just understand. like read it for free online. It's like, but I'm trying not to pirate. I'm trying not to steal this comic it makes, book. That's exactly. I was so frustrated. I'm like, why is this not out there? Because it's so good. But uh, uh, like, so yeah, like they've got this technology where you could just make Netflix appear in front of your face whenever you feel like it, and the little girl does. Like, she loves the story of Cyrano de Bergerac, and that actually plays like a role in the story of like her and this friend that she has. Her only friend is via the internet. And they talk to each other every night. And her name's Tal. But then, uh, like the and the style and placement of this story feels very antebellum South, which I think is also really interesting. The characters are all dressed in the garb of the period, while the robots, of course, are dressed as you'd expect the slaves of the period to be 
for whatever Ooh. role they're in. Like that is very much what's going on here. Like the ro- like they are very up on front street. Like the robots of this world are like in place of of like the American like slavery time period. So the story follows this little girl Isaiah, uh, who has developed this beautiful mother daughter relationship with her nanny, a robot named Debris, and her mother, a mean spirited woman, doesn't really care about her daughter and and Debris and is the and, and Debris is like the only love that she's ever known. And mom mm. doesn't like that and sends Debris away basically. And so the whole story is is uh, about Isaiah, Isaiah and her friend Tal, who has like a story of the of their own that I I don't want to divulge, but sure. uh, like sure. that uh, like the two of them kind of go on almost like a Tom Sawyer Huck Finn adventure to go and find debris, and they and I mean it's very on the nose that this story is is a uh, is like a a sci fi interpretation of the American period of slavery and and the antebellum South because. There's like a, a an underground railroad to secret away robots who are going to be tossed away kind of thing and and, and stuff Brother. like yeah it's but and it's it's just but it's very well done it's very tastefully sure. done and that's what I really appreciated about it I really like the art the art is gorgeous and it's got kind of this Looney Tunes vibe which is weird to say like it, 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 but it really worked here like all like there's one guy who's got kind of a yosemite sam like big big handlebar mustache and a giant nose but then mm-hmm. they're in you know, like the way that humans were drawn in looney tune cartoons sure, does sure. that make sense yeah and it's it just it's beautiful and it and it, it fits it, they made it work for this story so well and uh and it's got a ton of heart and and tells this interesting tale of a period from america's past and it, from an outsider perspective because it was written by folks from Europe and, and I, which I also thought was really interesting. And uh, I'm really glad that I found it. So I think that hearts of steel, go find a damn copy of it somewhere. People pay for it. Okay. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and it's, it's really good. I'm, I'm thrilled that I found it. It's That's fascinating cool. to me how Europe Europeans, I'm going to make some generalizations here. So <laughs> Europe just like stay home, but um <laughs> don't at her as an as an american art historian um i also have observed that um like europeans are really interested in the american 19th century and Hmm. particularly sometimes in um social narratives that europeans like to believe don't apply to them uh, yeah. I'll oh, say tactfully. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, are you talking about spaghetti westerns? Because those are really popular in Italy. <laughs> like, uh, for a more neutral example, like Germans love cowboys as a generalization. Sure. Um, like, sure. and in the in in art in like the 19th and 20th century, there were like a lot of German painters who were like obsessed with painting the American West, but like, and I'm, and so I'm like making a connection here to what you're talking about, but like taking it a little bit more of a critical step further, because I feel like I, like I get what they're trying to do with this story, but I just like, it's interesting to me that they're like, you know, like let's, let's set, set it in the American antebellum because the French couldn't possibly have any sort of equivalent in our history where we would like have such <laughs> no, such no, things no, no, to no, no. to like have a robot metaphor about. <laughs> Listen, nowhere in France is as beautiful as the American South. I think that's what this artist is getting at, right? Uh, <laughs> 
Oh, well, let me let me take over here before I I say any more ridiculous shit. Um, let me step yeah, into what that. Do you, what do you um, got, Mike? I uh, so like I said, I was at like Gen Con uh for a week. I was traveling, drove to the Midwest. I saw Brian and Kate in person, which is very nice. We got to play some board games and and hang out. Um, which is cool. And uh, then I went to Gen Con and played even more tabletop games and came close to crying in the middle of a tabletop game because we were touching on some very, like, you know, intricate inside your body things, which I forget that sometimes games can do that. And that's always great. Um, If you're interested in playing a game like that, that it's basically therapy at the table, it's called Divination. It uses a tarot deck instead of dice to choose what you're rolling and how outcomes go. Um, And it's one of the most beautiful games ever devised as far as I'm concerned. So recommend that divinationrpg.com. Uh, but as far as comics are concerned, I didn't read comics for like a week and a half, which is pretty much like blasphemy in my own mental household. And so I went super hard yesterday and read basically like a thousand two hundred chapter or pages of of comics, which is crazy. Um, in particular, I read a series called Tekon King Crete, which is a series you may have heard of before. There was a movie that came out a few years ago. This is by Teo Matsumoto. Uh, it's basically a 32 page series about two kids named black and white living in treasure city which is kind of like a tokyo analog um i've read this in the viz app so if you there's the shonen jump app then there's the viz manga app so i read it in the viz manga app if you're interested it's two bucks a month they're not sponsoring us but if they want to give us a call viz anyway so it's about these two kids uh they're named black and white uh they live in this broken down car they fight yakuza and ultimately thrive in what they call their city they own treasure city this huge megapolis um because they're everywhere and nowhere at the same time yakuza fear them and the gangsters who aren't in the know usually get the shit kicked out of them um white is this innocent extremely childish kind of mildly violent kid who kind of just lives his life on the whims of whatever he finds interesting that day. Like one of the core bits of this story is he doesn't really understand how apples are made. Um, like how you get new apples and eventually black explains this to him. So they plant a seed and the seed growing in this big city is kind of like this theme throughout the book, um, representing a little bit of white's innocence. And uh, black is this hyper violent, slightly older brother of these kids. They're, they're supposed to be like 10 and 11 years old. It's pretty mm-hmm. wild. And they're kicking the ever living shit out of Yakuza, like every single chapter. It's really, really really funny the art in this book is really weird uh in the way that it's drawn it kind of reminds it like shies away from what i think most folks would expect from a manga series and i really like that it's a book that came out in the 90s and so it has like this 90s era cartoon vibe that kind of reminded me of some of the weirdness of like ren and stimpy or rocco's modern life or rugrats in like it's thick line work and overall like aesthetic that everything is a little grotesque nothing is a straight line all of the characters have just these like severe imperfections to them but that makes them very defining like give them gives them all very defining traits so you figure out who the main characters are the story very very quickly i uh i don't know matsumoto seems to have this like seems to have been trying for something like cluttered without being overwhelming and leaning into character features like over and over uh pushing the looks of many of the characters into extreme levels kind of what i was saying and uh yeah like there's just characters who are just so boldly drawn at first i was like this is just so ugly and then i'm like no this is actually perfect for this book um everything about it has just this kind of off feeling and by the end of it that's not even the thing that you focus on anymore because the story is about these two kids um well mostly one of them mostly black um who's and they're constantly beating the shit out of these yakuza and these other shitheads and the story's done in this really odd tempo pace like 
chapters will have three stories in them and there's no real transition between the stories. So there'll be a story about black and white and a story about some of the accuser and a story about two of the police officers that are kind of in the book. And the transition between those, I think in modern manga, you'd get like a little beat panel or something to let you know there's going to be a transition of time or something. And in this book, a panel will go by and suddenly we're focusing on the Yakuza in the same page as when we were talking about black and white. It's it's really jarring at first, but once you get into that flow and kind of start to understand what Matsumoto's doing, um, the book reads really fast. Like the first couple of chapters, I kind of had to pick up what was being put down. But by the end, I flew through the last 10 chapters thinking that there were 36 chapters. So when I got to 32 and that was the end, I about cried because I was really, really digging what was going on. So if you want, you might be able to just watch the movie and get the same enjoyment out of this. But because I've, I've had this movie on my list for forever, it was recommended to me a long time ago. Um, but when I saw the manga was on the app, I was like, hey, I'm already paying for this. I might as well read it. And I read like all 32 chapters in a sitting. Um, it's really, really good. So if you're looking for a manga that's kind of weird, very, very immature, I'm going to put it out there really quick that the first panel opens with White walking through the town singing a song. He's like, booby, booby, poopy, poopy, booby, booby, poopy, poopy. Uh, that's the music <laughs> I put to it. Um, so, you know, it's a very mature book. But again, these are about kids. It's a story about kids. It's weird. Um, <laughs> anyways, so that's what I've been up to. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds really interesting, and it it does sound very like '90s manga. It it's got a, I can I can totally see that. Sure, yeah. Anyways, uh, I guess let's let's jump back to uh, you, Tia, or you, Kyle. But Kyle, what? Where's that coming from? Sorry, <laughs> deep cuts, Zach. You have this on your list. It's written by Kyle Higgins. Your name is not Kyle. I'm sorry. I just saw Kyle on the page. Ugh, I'm rusty. Just someone take over for me. Look, man, you're the boss. I'll be Kyle for the episode if you really need me to. Okay. <laughs> Zach, tell us what else you read, please. <laughs> All right. So uh, my other book that I read was I read issues one through three of a book called Deep Cuts uh, from Image Comics, written by Kyle Higgins and Joe Clark. Kyle Higgins, of course, uh, you know, um, uh, now I just totally blanked on the name Radiant Black. There we go. My It came back to me uh, with guest artists. Each issue has a different artist. So the first one was Danilo Bayruth. The second one was Helena Macellis. And the third was Diego Greco. And I and the colors were by Igor Monti. Letters from Hassan Otsmane Elihu. This book was really interesting because I, I did. I accidentally did two period piece books like it just happened to be the way my stack lined up. But sure. uh, this one takes place, I'd say, like, like World War One era America heading into the Roaring Twenties. Uh, it's all about jazz and, and like the jazz world of that time period. And and each issue, it's like an anthology book where each issue is a different story. So you can you can grab one like one issue and it gives you a full, complete narrative front to back. Um so that, I thought that was really cool. And each artist has a different spin on it. Now, the, the first and third issues kind of, uh, kind of, you know, are par for the course. Like the art is really nice. I, I enjoyed it. But the second issue from, um, from, uh, I just lost her name. Yeah. Helena Macellas was the one that really jumped out at me because she puts the book together in an art deco style, like a style of the time that you would find in like magazine, uh, advertisements from that era. And I thought that that was a really interesting way to go about it, like to pull hmm. something from that era and make that the way to tell the story. I thought that was really cool. And the each issue has a really unique uh, take on something of the time. Like the first issue tells the story of a young boy 
whose uh, father was a clarinet player in a big band and he passes away. And like, so the kid learns clarinet and wants to break into the music scene. And he, and he learns real quick, you know, that you can't trust everybody who says they want to help you kind of thing, you know? Sure. And so he gets to see both sides, the, the light and the dark of the music scene of the, of the jazz scene of the, of the time. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was a really good story. The second one is about a woman uh, who, She's a she is a music writer. She she uh, and she gets a job to put all the music together for a, a, a show. And the show is about jazz. And the guy who owns the theater is like, your music is fine, but there's no jazz. Like you didn't do any jazz. And so she kind of goes on this quest to understand and learn about jazz. And do jazz, kid. Yeah, you gotta do jazz. You gotta do jazz. But what is jazz? I don't know, but you gotta do it. Exactly. And 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 she totally has that naive mindset of like, because she knows music so well that she's just like, if I hang out with some jazz people for a night, I'll learn how to do jazz and I'll write the best jazz song ever. And of course, you know, she learns that that's just not how jazz works. Uh, yeah, the thir- third <laughs> one was really though? good. T- yeah, <laughs> you could yeah, learn exactly. jazz in a night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the third one is about like a family where you find out that the father used to be a musician, but then he decided to settle down and put roots in. But it's still kind of in the back of his mind, you know, getting back out on the road and like he kind of has that back and forth of family or family or like the road kind of thing. And it, like, but the, each issue it's is really interesting with a fun story. I think that they treat. Uh, the music and, and like the era really well. Joe Clark is a musician himself and used to teach music. And what's cool is in the back matter of each issue, he spotlights a musician and there is sheet music for a song that they wrote in the back that you can Yo. play. Yeah, it's really neat. And uh, I can't do that. You know, I can't play it, <laughs> but I think it's neat that it's there. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, and yeah. if somebody else out there in podcast land can actually record themselves playing it i would love to hear it but, oh send that in we'll play it on the next episode oh, or two. whenever cool. you can do it that'd be cool that would be too cool but yeah deep yeah. cuts one through three i thought it was a lot of fun and mm-hmm. you know i like that it's an anthology series and i was really worried like it was weird because like i'm listening i'm reading the first issue and i'm just waiting for the shoe to drop to be like there's gonna be something weird sci-fi they're gonna go demons at a crossroads there's gonna be like <laughs> witchcraft i'm like i don't want that like i found myself being like no i just want a, a cool jazz story and then mm-hmm. it was that and i was super happy about it awesome that's awesome uh well let me let me talk about one more book really quick and then we're gonna jump over to tia's hot take corner that's what i'm calling it oh boy um <laughs> i read uh i read the enfield gang uh massacre number one this is by chris condon and jacob phillips with color assist by pip martin i forgot and didn't notice that this book came out for some reason it didn't say that texas blood therefore i didn't see it um but this is the same creative team that's done that texas blood if you like it uh you're gonna love this um basically you can play the aw shit here we go again effect because yes it's chris (laughs) condon and it's jacob phillips doing another or jacob phillips doing another western comic set in fictional texas also known as their fictional county at called ambrose county um was it a banger? Absolutely. Gorgeously illustrated, perfectly written, kind of creepy and altogether like a feast for your eyes and your mind. Like the back matter in this is a huge 
large or huge fake article written by someone of the time when this book takes place back in the you know western frontier times of the late 1800s um and really this duo just can't miss and i don't know if you like westerns if you like classic westerns if you liked all the westerns that have been coming out from image and boom recently you're gonna love this and i think this team has probably proven themselves if you've read that texas blood they're gonna do some good stuff and if you didn't grab this book i understand like i said i totally miss this even looking through the new books that were coming out on sunday like i normally do i just didn't even notice that this was done by them so but I would recommend this. It's going to be like a five or six issue miniseries. So you can probably wait to trade to, to read this in trade. But honestly, the the print version of this is done in that old like like really nice paper stock that is not glossy. It's uh it feels like that's how this book should have been printed. I read it digitally, but I also got a physical copy. And now I've decided I'm only going to read the physical copy because it's so different. Phillips and Pip Martin's colors are so different on this weird non-glossy paper compared to the digital edition. It's like it's almost like two different books or it was colored in two different ways. So I don't know. I almost want to do like a compare and contrast like essay on this, given how different they look digitally versus physically. So more to come on that. We'll see. But that's wild. I, yeah. I read that book as well. And I, I second I second your uh, your notion. I, I'm not usually much of a Westerns guy, but mm-hmm. this one, that first issue pulled me in. There's they, they, they put this nice mystery out there. You know, yeah. wondering like what what really happened in a certain situation, and I loved that back matter as well. I think I always love when stuff like that is is done to really like bring the world to life. Yeah, sure. I, I usually fall into Danny's camp. Our, our good pal Danny is on the show. Who just mm-hmm. if it's if it's prose, I'm not reading it. But oh. <laughs> for some reason, I got sucked into this back matter, and I I absolutely loved it. So looking forward to the second issue. Hope this whole thing keeps up. I love the the entire aesthetic of this book. It's it's just amazing. But Tia, let's let's hop over to you uh, before we jump into the second half of the show. Uh, what's the last book you read that you want to talk about? Uh, yes. So the last book I read, Per Evil, number one, this is an image book by Mirka Andolfo, Laura Braga, Giovanni Manga, and Brian Valenza. And high level, like, seemed really interesting. Cats and murder and, like, maybe some other daughter generational trauma. What's not to love? Mm-hmm. And in terms of the story, I'll say... There are some like interesting mysteries that this issue sets up. There's this guy, Steve, and he has a teenage son. And I guess like they own a building and the wife just died. So it's just the two of them. And then there's a mother daughter who like are sort of secretive and nomadic and they live in the building and they're about to move out apparently. And um, the teenagers have like a secret friendship because the teenage girl is like not allowed to go anywhere ever without her mother. So they have to keep their friendship a secret. And then like, there's also a band in this world with like a missing singer that this guy, Steve is like kind of obsessed with. And he's trying to, connect all these dots in his head like somehow he is convinced that it has something to do with this woman um who lives in his building and then if this all seems really obvious and like spoilery like i promise it's not there's like a lot more to it to it and and there's like also it's kind of some weird supernatural element and i haven't even touched on the murder yet so there's still the cats they're in there they're in there with the supernatural murder stuff mike okay okay (laughs) i thought maybe i was like are the people cats is that what it is were they all cats the entire time (laughs) the thing is i would say like that's all just kind of hinted in this issue so the cats are like not a big um part of the story yet 
okay. so far. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, there's like there's there's a lot more to it. Without getting spoilery, I'll just say, I wish the art were more my aesthetic. Mm. And I'm not okay. I, I'm not going to say it's objectively bad, like you know, but it's really heavy on the character acting and it's it doesn't have like that kind of romantic painterly aesthetic that i prefer like what i talked about the watercolors earlier right it's sure, pretty sure. prosaic art the world building is kind of secondary to the characters and how they play off of each other like in particular i found that the mother is way overacted in every single scene that she's in, like super exaggerated facial expressions. And I kind of actually blame the script here a little bit because her dialogue is also like really kind of ridiculously over the top. However, like I will also say, all of this can also be an aesthetic choice. Like it's giving telenovela, it's giving soap opera. Like that is, <laughs> okay. and that's not a, a bad aesthetic like it is a a an artistic choice that you can use to tell a certain story it's just not my favorite one to like inhabit for a while so i don't know if i'll keep reading this one interesting i'm i'm looking through some of the preview pages for this and i totally feel what you're saying the art it's really weird cuz i like the look of laura braga's art but i could definitely see like there's a, like a lot of over animation yeah. of some of the characters mm -hmm. which is very very interesting i don't know some people dig it like and so that's why i call it out as a feature if that's your thing then you might really like this book it's not my thing i like the more right. like moody subtle kind of painterly carl stevens style totally totally yeah i'm i mean just looking at laura braga's art online like she just she does she does that with a lot of her characters but I, I mean she did catwoman and the catwoman looks good but then there's a lot of like <laughs> there's a lot of just booby photos on the internet i don't know how else to describe <laughs> yeah. it um yeah. oh, uh, pictures photos. that she's drawn so i don't know booby, whatever booby, booby, booby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay cool well with that we're gonna, we're gonna take a quick break uh when we come back we're gonna talk about the comics on the top of our pile and uh and maybe something else we'll see we'll be back in just a second <laughs> Before we get into the second half of the show, two quick little housekeeping things I want to do. As always, you know, you can follow us on the internet, Instagram, TikTok, Discord. We got a Discord link in our show notes. We got a Goodreads account. We've got our YouTube channel where you can get all the updates for IRCB. Uh, we are technically on Twitter, now known as X, but we don't use it anymore because uh, Elon Musk sucks. Uh, so <laughs> anyways, we follow us on the internet. As always, you can always support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. Your money directly supports this show. Make sure that we get the episodes out. Make sure that we get things um, made on Patreon exclusively like the Better Batmobile series, like Saga of Saga, like uh, what else we do? IRCB Movie Club, so much other stuff, all on Patreon, patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. So Let's get into things. Let's talk about the top four pile. To get things started, we're going to change up the order a little bit. We're going to start with all the folks hanging out with us live on Discord. This week, Danny is reading Disney Villains Hades, number one. Paul G is reading Stand Still, Stay Silent, book four. And Hugh is reading Void Rivals, number three. I guess to get us started, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first. That's what I have in the notes. So I'm going to talk about <laughs> the call, number one. I, I The order's all messed up this week. I'm sorry. We're changing things. I'm back. My brain's frazzled. But I'm reading the call, number one. This is by Kelly Thompson, uh, Matia Delulis, and letters by Hassan, Hassan Osmani Elhow. 
And I know there's a bunch of X-Men books coming out this week um, that I'm going to read regardless because I have to. Uncanny Avengers and Dark X-Men, um, even with Ed Brissing writing on Alpha Flight, I have no interest because Marvel just needs to stop publishing Alpha Flight. I don't understand why it's still a thing. Even in Immortal Hulk, those were the worst issues because no one cares about alpha flight nope i'm just gonna throw that out there but this book the call number one is has what has me excited this week um it's something is killing the children vibes mixed with the goonies style adventure as five friends set off to shoot a short film on a forbidden rock near their home this summer before they go all go their separate ways. who else has a forbidden rock in their hometown that they want to shoot a, mil- a film on um one of them though has lied and it's a lie that will change their lives forever Honestly, I'm here for the creative team. Kelly Thompson has been knocking it out of the park with all of her independent books. Uh, Matea DeLulis' art, Google that person's name. Uh, incredible. Just Google this book. It's one of the most beautiful books that's coming out. I'm very excited. So this is a one, two, three punch with Hassan on letters. Uh, and it's going to be a miniseries. I mean, like all these things point to I love this. So I'm game. Anyways, <laughs> this sounds very up my alley. Yeah, you should check it out. Honestly, Kelly Thompson, if you're not reading Black Cloak, if you didn't read Black oh, Cloak, Black Cloak. Oh, yeah, like this is the book. next book that I'm like, I think this is going to be a banger hit for her. Really, really excited. Um, but Tia, what are you excited for this upcoming week? So, um, throwing back to the beginning of the episode where I was talking about my moving situation, another thing that I did was organize all of my artwork from cons into a single port like portfolio book. Um, I know. And I like rediscovered some things I had kind of forgotten about, like this really cute sketch of a couple of xenomorphs that um, I got at (laughs) Thought Bubble for my birthday from Casper Wingard because he was like just sitting there drawing them. And I was like, oh, those are so cute. And he's like, oh, you want them? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Tia, <laughs> not usually the adjective you hear about xenomorphs. Yeah. Like... So I have Cornish Rex cats, and they remind me of Cornish Rex cats because Cornish okay, Rex okay. cats also have like a whippy tail, and okay. they also make that like horrible screeching noise. So <laughs> they're just they're very similar, and they also try to burrow into your chest for for warmth. So I did a quick Google search for <laughs> cute xenomorph and came up with. <laughs> A lot of really interesting prints and stuff. And like, you know what, Tia? I'll give you. They could be cute. I love them. I just love them. And I I love Alien. And like, I know we're summoning Nick now. But I just was like, man, I haven't read some Alien comics in a while. And I knew Mm -hmm. that Marvel was doing one. But I don't like reading single issues anymore so i've i was like well like okay if they have an arc finished i'll read it and lo and behold next week alien number five by declan shelby and andrea um ricardo is coming out so that that counts as an arc i will read one through five hell yeah i have no idea honestly what the story is even about like it looks like there's some chick on the moon and then aliens like there's really only one alien story right and that's what i want like that's what everyone wants so looking forward to that um and also i'll just throw out my horror genre hot take which is that horror is a summer genre not a fall genre Mm. i'm curious your reasoning well okay so like in the summer you're miserable just baseline (laughs) right like you're sweaty and like overstimulated like you're sensorily overstimulated right sure Mm -hmm. so you're on edge already like it takes you know half a thing to make you snap and 
you have to have like all your windows open all the time. So you're very vulnerable. Um, but then it also it's like you feel really claustrophobic because there's just like the oppressive like heat just bearing down on you. So I just feel like atmospherically that feels more horrific to me than like autumn, which is delightful in every way. And sure. um, also, if you think about all the really great horror movies, like they're all sweaty. Yeah, that's true. You know? I was just I was Summer literally camps. just thinking everybody sweats in horror movies yeah, like, unless they're a winter based horror movie. Imagine Texas Chainsaw Massacre in like a cozy cardigan. It just isn't happening. <laughs> Vermont but it's, Chainsaw it's a, Massacre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I've been to Vermont and uh, right. <laughs> So you guys are giving Stephen King free ideas right now. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> but even Stephen King's got a lot of summertime horror, you know? Like True. there's just something yeah. about summertime to me that is more about horror than autumn right that's a good See, point yeah it's interesting because i'm like horror is a very broad genre right mm -hmm. i i feel like slasher movies definitely lean towards horror movies like with the exception of maybe freddy krueger right who is like an inherently a halloween based villain in a lot of ways and michael myers who is inherently a halloween based villain he kind of has uh, to be <laughs> but he has to be i think um but Really, I think like slashers in general, like your generic slashers totally work during this summer. So I'm, I'm on board with this. I think when you think about the alien movies in general, it's kind of like summer in space. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> sweaty and claustrophobic. Yeah. 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 To back you up, I have a group of friends who are all like diehard horror nuts and they start horror season like in August, like the beginning of August, exactly. like late July. And then they yeah. just watch nothing but horror through Halloween. So yeah, Hell yeah. all summer long, they're they're going nuts with the horror mo movies. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, I, I'll say to you, this Alien series, though, to tie it back to the book that you picked, um, Declan Shelby's run on this is kicking butt. I think yeah. you're really going to dig it. Um, even though there is really only one Alien story, like you said, but I think he's done a great job like building up the horror and stuff. He's 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 kind of I, I don't know. I'm digging it. Even we all after love Philip that Kennedy one Johnson's alien story. Run. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, Zach, what about you? What are you reading? Uh, I'm I'm reading this little indie book. Uh, I, I I'm excited to do it. It's from this very new name in comics. Uh, maybe you've heard of them, Grant Morrison. Mm. I've heard that they've done a couple couple small runs, yeah. some small yeah, yeah, print yeah. things. Uh, I'm reading All Star <laughs> Superman. I've oh. never read it before, and oh. I'm very excited to. I've 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 never been much of a Superman guy, but spoilers. Uh, this is a shameless plug, but next month is Soup-tember on my show, and the whole month is Super Family books, and I wanted the crescendo, the WrestleMania, to be All Star Superman because mm. everything that I've heard is really positive about this book, and there there is a contingent of people. I'm not saying I'm one of them because I don't know yet, but. I've heard people say that it might be the best Superman story ever written. I've I've heard people make that argument. So I just mm -hmm. felt like this is the one. It was it was between that and uh, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow from Alan Moore. So, but I went with All Star Superman because I've never read it. And I'm going to so make I'm a request for your show that you recommend us a, a soup pairing to eat for each of the Superman <laughs> characters that yeah. you discuss. Brian, Brian in the chat did say he thought you said soup temper and thought you might have a month of soup content coming. So, like, I think a lot of people might be thinking about this. It's only comics about soup. Yeah. Yes. There's a, yes. But like, I mean, it's starting to cool down. Soup. Yeah. It's got to be corn chowder, right? Because he's a Midwest boy. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> 
corn chowder. You know, I, I'm a Midwest boy, and I've never had corn chowder. Actually, that kind of brings up an entirely different conversation that maybe we can have uh, now because we're at the end of the show, and I don't care on this type of episode. <laughs> <laughs> there is. There is this idea. I sent a video to like a group of friends. Brian is in this group of, of t- people on Telegram. And it was this guy saying that Pittsburgh is a Midwest town and that states like that are in the middle of the country, your Kansas, your Arkansas, your most of Missouri, uh, your Dakotas, your those are not Midwest states. Those are just middle of America states, I think, which is different than the Midwest. It's mm. interesting. Yeah, because I mean, St. Louis is the gateway to the West, right? Like, but right. this is based on the way that America existed in the 19th century. And I, mm-hmm. I feel like that's where this logic is coming from. Yeah. Well, the, the way that the way that this person in this ticked, I'll find it and send it to this to the IRCP group. But like and maybe if you're on Discord, you can see it as well. But uh the way they kind of positioned it was that like there's just the niceties of the Midwest mm. and Pittsburgh has that quality, but the rest of the state of Pennsylvania doesn't and has a lot of like East Coast vibes or in some parts Southern vibes. And he like yes. circled some places on uh, Pennsylvania. Zach, I know you live there, so like maybe you know what I'm talking about. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Like the the state, it's it, it's such a huge state, and it really is broken up into three because like where I'm at is like Southern Pennsylvania, and depending where you are it feels like maryland baltimore or it feels Mm -hmm. like the south and but then you get out towards philly and then you've got that a very east coast kind of fast paced and you and it's i totally agree like you could totally just break off like the entire that entire section of pennsylvania and make it part of ohio and it would fit you know like that the it's interesting how you go across this one state and there are such different vibes yeah arkansas has that too to be honest, oh, yeah. Arkansas like has it, it like wants to be southern, but it's too midwestern to be like hmm. weird southern. Right. It's it's the weird literal southern. definition of a flyover state in the sense that like <laughs> it doesn't know where it wants to be and no one wants to be there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will say the Ozarks are really beautiful. However, sure. Sure, um, yeah. there are long stretches where like you could stop ten times to buy meth, but nowhere to buy food. <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> um, can't wait to clip this and throw it on, co- on TikTok with no context. Uh, <laughs> um, no, that's that, yeah, it's it, it's interesting because like, how do how do you define where like the Midwest is in a lot of ways? And like, I don't know, in my mind, it's like Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, pieces of Pennsylvania. I don't even I don't even think you hit Kentucky and Tennessee. Those don't even count. Right. Because like those immediately start to become southern. Um but you start to go like into West Virginia. And I drove through Pennsylvania. Totally random thing. Kelly and I are driving back from Indiana. We had to drive through like this little pip of West Virginia to go from Pennsylvania yep. to West Virginia to Pennsylvania. And I was it's like, weird. why is America like this? <laughs> Who One chose this? I, I very earnestly asked someone from Ohio if it was considered the East Coast. Mm. Oh, boy. Having, you know, being a California girl who considered anything east of Pasadena to be Kentucky. I was like, I sure. don't know. You guys are in the East Coast time zone. Are you? What, what is that all about? <laughs> I'm sure their brain sat on that thought for a really long time to be like, are could we? Maybe? Are we? Is there something good about Ohio now? No, they were pretty <laughs> offended by that. Badge? Yeah. <laughs> I think that. Well, so we don't really talk about Rust Belt as its own 
place, but I think we should because, right. you know, and like Appalachia, which I just learned, like the reason that the, the Appalachian fairies and, and like cryptids and stuff are so weird is because they literally come from from like um, Scotland. And really? like, yeah, like thousands of years ago, like the Appalachian Mountains are the same mountains that you get in like the British Isles. And that's why they have the same fae. Oh, 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 I like if that. If you're ever in the Appalachians and somebody calls your name in the woods, do oh, not yeah. answer. Right, right. Yeah. I <laughs> I watched, uh, I, I think I, I read something like that on Twitter one night and like happened to get up and like get some water and looked out the, to the backyard of the place that I used to stay at and it was just pitch black and like I had a chill go down my spine that like <laughs> if I hear my name right now I don't know what to do like I, it was freaking me out for like a whole night I, I why do cryptids exist and why do they scare me so much um <laughs> I, I saw this really interesting video explaining a lot of that as well, where the, the Appalachian Mountains are, like, so ancient. Like, they have existed for so long. Like, that range pushed up so long ago. Like, I think, like, Pangean era, like, they already existed. And so, and mm-hmm. the person was making the point, because this was a person who believes fully in all cryptids and stuff, and they were like, if there's weird stuff somewhere, it's probably really here because this is so old and so you right. know, so of a time. I thought that was really interesting. Shout out it. to Old Gods of Appalachia. If you've never listened to that podcast, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's, yeah. It talks all about that stuff, mm-hmm. but in its story form. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's also a tabletop game, I think, that just yes. recently came out. Yeah. Um, so if you're into that, all, all that kind of horror cryptid stuff, I love reading about it. Uh, it scares the pants off of me. So it's, you know, it's one of those things. Um, anyways, I, I think we should probably wrap up the show here with that. If you have thoughts about where your state lives in terms of are you Midwest or not, send us an email at ircbpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> next week's show, I'm going to let Danny handle it because Danny's hosting the show next week with Paloma and Kate to talk manga app comparisons. They're going to be talking about Shonen Jump, the Viz app, Kodansha's app that they have, Manga Plus, and more. Um, unfortunately, this was supposed to be a Twitch episode due to scheduling fuckery on my part. That's not <laughs> going to be happening. So I'm sorry if you were looking forward to that. But you can always listen to our show on Discord. Uh, there's a link to that in the show notes infinity shred is the best band in the universe they do all of our music xander will offer you a blanket if you get too cold at night i want to say thank you to zach and tia it was what i had before was way creepier and i changed it guys so everyone (laughs) should be happy uh i want to say thank you to zach and tia for this episode thank you to brian for proof listening thank you to everyone for listening live on discord we love you to death thank you for listening in general you're fantastic human beings and until next time comics are good and so are you